Hello, and welcome to The Lion's Den, a conversational show from Aslan's Place Ministry. I'm your host, Brian Cox. In this episode, Paul shares new understanding of the ancient paths and how the clearing of obstacles on our path leads to freedom from fear. Then, Brian and Barbara discuss dream interpretation and her book titled Exploring Heavenly Places, Volume 8, Dream Speak. So with that, let's enter the lion's den. So Dad, with each episode of the lion's den, we work to share the newest things that we're gaining an understanding from God. So I'd like to start with finding out from you, what would you like to share in our podcast today? Right after we did the uh, construct of the branch prayer, the Father of Lies prayer at the Mini Academy, I started discerning something that I've discerned before, but not for quite a while, and that is the pathways. And I feel the pathways on my head like parallel bars on either side of my head from the middle of my head forward. And for me, these are the pathways. And I was just really intrigued about uh, what that had to do with um, the branches. Uh, in the prayer, we dealt with the ungodly seed, ungodly roots, ungodly branches, ungodly trees. And so after we prayed about that uh, two Sundays ago, um, that I start filling the, the pathways and the ancient paths. So Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. So obviously something happened with the removal of the ungodly seed, branches, and trees that created uh, a ability for us to get back to the ancient paths where the good way is, is that then we're told that we are to walk in it and find rest for our souls. Uh, now, the Jeremiah passage, it says that I ask you to do that. The Lord says, I ask you to do that. And the people's response is, we will not walk there. Now, the word Ancient in Hebrew is olam, O-L-A-M, is translated everlasting, perpetual, evermore, uh, and that's the kind of idea. Good, uh, where the good way is, is good, beneficial, pleasant, favorable, happy, and right. So this is all something we are very interested in doing. So what occurred to me is that we were having to remove the debris from the ancient path that blocked us from walking in the good way. And then I remembered this verse from Isaiah that is repeated uh, in reference to John the Baptist. It's Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. It is very interesting that the word make straight actually means to level and free from obstacles as when preparing to receive a royal visitor. So what Isaiah is saying and what's repeated with John the Baptist is that we need to get rid of all the obstacles that keeps us from uh, the way of the Lord. 
Now, uh, Brian and uh, Barbara, I don't know I've, I've ever told you this, but as a young man, I had a, a life verse, and my life verse was uh, Genesis 24, 48. And it's about the servant of Abraham who goes to find a wife for Isaac under the direction of Abraham. And he finds Rebecca, remember at the well, and it says in that passage, once he met, once he met Rebecca, uh, the verse says, and I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth. Uh, actually, in the King James Version, it says, I being in the way, the Lord led me. And I'm wondering if that is actually the ancient path. When you are in the way, not in terms of being in the way of the Lord, but rather in terms of being on the way of the Lord, then he leads you. So I'm reminded of, of course, what Jesus said, where he declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm noticing so many times God has these nuances where there's a larger topic, for instance, the way, and then there's a specific representation with Jesus as the way. Or, for instance, we are all sons of God, but then Jesus is the only begotten son. Right. Have you seen a connection with this understanding that God's showing with the way that there's a potential as we understand seeking these pathways of God, that it then brings us closer to Jesus Christ as the way? Absolutely. And it appears that um, there, there, there is because of the fall, a resistance to us operating in the way that the Lord wants us to operate. And we've had this discussion many times before that we have salvation, but as a result of salvation, then we are then to work out our salvation. That means to bring to completion. Incidentally, you have um, the words the way, you have the word pathways, and you have the word path, and you have the, the ancient path. So these are all words in Scripture. So you have the way, the ancient path, the pathways, and the way. And uh, remember, your light is a light unto my path. Um, so when, when we, we follow the Lord and we stay on the path, rather than going off into other paths or other ways, then, of course, we're in intimacy with Jesus. Barbara, you had something you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I really like Abraham's servant. One of the things that has just always really stood out to me is that he didn't just go and gag and drag someone and bring them back. He prayed along the way. He got there. He listened to what the Lord was doing. He watched for what the Lord was doing. And then he gave thanks for what the Lord had done before he would proceed on to the next step. And I think if we're going to travel on the ancient pathways, we kind of have to do the same thing. We have to have our discernment 
all out there and we have to look and we have to listen and we have to watch before we move ahead. Okay, so as I was pondering this, I'm thinking, well, what is it, what, what are the obstacles then that are on the path? If, if the debris needs to be cleaned off, so I can't remember how I actually ended up here, but I thought about the very beginning and I thought about the fall and the first thing that happens, of course, is, is Adam uh, and Eve, they both are involved in this, the eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so that occurred to me, there was an exact fruit. In other words, the fruit that they picked had a, a, a corresponding response. So the fruit of, the, of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was, I was afraid. So fear is, is, the, is the first debris that comes onto our path. And then I think from all that comes all the other debris, which would be the, the, uh, the ungodly seed, the roots, the branches, the trees. And the result of fear is no peace. In other words, there's a lack of rest, there's no peace. So fear has an immediate fruit also, which is anxiety, lack of peace, no rest. And then I, I thought about this verse. I was, I was all worked up um, at the mini academy when I started out because I had been to a church and the power of God came in a really remarkable way where uh, the speaker, the pastor, and I were all on the ground under the power of God. And it was an astonishing time. But the result of it was the two staff people resigned. And I thought, what, what is going on here? So you have a visitation of God. The power comes. And I might add that over 12 people came to the front with no, hardly any invitation. The invitation was, if you want to become a Christian, come to the front. That was the invitation. Over 12 people got saved that Sunday. And, and and so I was thinking about this, and uh, I thought about this verse. You did not know me on the on your day of visitation, which is in Luke nineteen forty one through forty four. So I, I'm sharing this at the uh, academy that we just had two weekends ago, and I am shocked by what I read. I did not remember the context. The context is Jesus comes in to Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey, which incidentally was not a sign of, of being humble. Kings would ride into cities on donkeys during that time. So he was declaring his royalty at that point. And he then uh, cries over the city. And he says in Luke 19, would you eat? You even you had known on this day the things that made for look at this the things that made for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes because you did not know me on the day of your visitation. I'm thinking this is all key that when we do not eat of the tree of life, but we rather eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the result is fear 
causes debris on the path, on the ancient paths, on the way, on the pathways. And then Jesus said, now listen to this. This is what happens as a result of all this. So now we're going back to what happens with the pathways. For Jesus says, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade. I think this is not only physical enemies, but spiritual enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children. So then we have a generational issue that continues and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. So when we do not follow the Lord, and this is actually your question, Brian, when you, we do not follow Jesus closely, the result is we get debris, we have lack of peace, which is fear, anxiety, and then all this debris happens in our lives. We had a confirmation from Sonia online where she was really resonating with that concept of fear being the, our first obstacle. And, you know, I, I'm thinking back at so many generational prayer sessions where I've participated in, where we end up working with that concept of fear often. We find that to be such a common tactic of the enemy. And I actually find that the word consternation comes up, which oh, really? would be an unspecific fear that something bad is going to happen, but you can't necessarily put your, your finger on it. So it's literally just fear, but you can't identify it. And how debilitating is that when you're simply afraid, but then don't even have a direction of a solution. But now we're seeing that it's to ask God to clear up our pathway from all the obstacles. Right. And it's a way of peace. Now I looked up the Hebrew word for peace you ready for this? It means completion or fulfillment, entering into a state of wholeness, a restored relationship. So when we get rid of the fear and we enter into rest and peace, then that is a state of peace, which is a restored relationship with our God. And so... Uh, Peace, of course, what we are very interested in obtaining in our lives, uh, being in a state of peace and rest, which would be the ancient path. And what's really sad is, is that the Israelite people said, we will not do that. We are going to turn to other ways of finding our rest and our peace, which then, of course, creates more debris onto the pathways and more obstacles that the Lord wants us to clean off. So Barbara, within the context of what we're talking about, I think we could even bring up a reminder about Exploring Heavenly Places, Volume 11. I believe that there are items in that book that address fear and what we can do to clear it up. Yes, there are. And we also have a prayer in that book that is also online about dealing with fear. But we do address fear right toward the beginning of the book, I believe. And I forget which chapter it is, but we talk a lot about it because it's so debilitating. 
but the new prayer is online. And so that would be a prayer with the keyword fear. So a good way to go right. after that is aslansplace.com. And then in the search box, type in the word fear and you'll get that prayer. But then if you would like to know more about what we are learning even right now, then volume 11 would be a good book to get. So the question I have is what are the ancient pathways? Was there something that the Lord established originally that we were to walk in? Larry Pearson, um, back in 2010, had this word. Incidentally, our words about the ancient pathways actually go back, I think, to 2007. So that's 12 years ago. But listen to what Larry gave in light of what we've been talking about the last three weeks. Uh, he wrote, the platelets are shifting towards righteousness, for no doubt the king of righteousness is being revealed. As a king of righteousness is revealed, I will raise up my sons and daughters with righteousness. They are of a new breed. Get, get this. They are of a new seed. As you stand behind this new breed, they will open up a new path, a carve, they will carve out a new path. They will be like the vanguard to pierce like an arrow into that which has exalted itself against the king of righteousness. They will spread out to the east, west, north, and south. They will become my new compass. They will be multidimensional and multi-purposed. I'm seeing a hurricane-sized whirlwind. That was before we had the discernment uh, of the whirlwind. And multi-purpose. I'm seeing a, a hurricane-sized whirlwind. What is that, Lord? These sons and daughters of righteousness will release a revolution to turn things around, a revolution to bring things full circle, a revolution to open up the timing of the Father, the intention of the Father. So this is all very interesting that I, th I think maybe, Brian, if I remember correctly, you may have talked about the whirlwind the first time and then later the, um, the branches. So this all brings, this brings everything together. The whirlwind, which seems to be part of deliverance methodology of the Lord, the removing of the branches, the ungodly seed, ungodly roots, ungodly trees, and now the, the ancient path, which is being restored into a way that will lead us uh, uh, in a way of rest and peace. Exciting to see how this revelation is growing. Jana from online brought up, she said, I also believe that fear is a product of lack. Yes. And then she put up the question, uh, is the ancient path the holy highway? I feel that's a yes. Sonia had, had shared, my thoughts go to the pathways to the cities of refuge or to the king. Oh, interesting. I had not thought about the cities of refuge, but there were places where you, would, you could run to, and of course, in that place, you would be relieved from fear, wouldn't you? You would find peace and rest and uh, safety. Something else I find interesting is that when we are giving into fear, we don't see solutions to problems because we're, the problem has become so big, we're not looking for answers. 
and it's as if there's a fog or something blocking our way from even seeing the proper path. And to me, that takes us back to the light, to God lighting our way. Absolutely. There is something about these pathways that are the very, very important. Jana had the first word, actually, in May of 2007, and uh, she wrote, this is the beginning that you have not yet known. The battle has been difficult. You have crossed over the victory part of the battle has begun. You're on the other side of the transition. And then she goes on and she talks about branch out, branch out, branch out. And then she talks about um, the, the, about the, the pathways and the path. And she says, then she says, look for the ancient path. Now, this is years before. And she says, look for the ancient paths. What is established will be fulfilled. And she says, it's not as hard as you think. I not, don't know about that part, but uh, that was very interesting that she talked then about these, these ancient paths. So I'm wondering, too, the ancient paths go back, perhaps even back before creation, uh, before our conception to us as sons of God in heaven. Uh, I have to ponder that. This that's kind of comes to my mind while we're talking, Brian and Barbara. We have, well, as usual, God has us on the bleeding edge of this understanding. <laughs> so, Barbara, what would you like to add here? Well, Brian, you made a, a comment that it's like we're in a fog and we don't quite get the whole picture of things. And it makes me think back to the fact that we have written about and studied branches before. We have studied and written about pathways before. But now all of a sudden we've come to this new revelation and the new prayer and we're going back to old words where we're talking about Larry's word, talking about the seed and then there will be a new, uh, I don't remember the word, Paul, but there'll be a new uh, generation that will. Yes, that's what Larry okay. said. So the whole thing just seems to me like the continuing unraveling of revelation. And it's like with Brian's comment about the fog. When we first learned about branches, we first learned about pathways, we didn't have enough understanding or experience to understand what we're beginning to understand now. And Paul and I have talked about how we keep going back and he keeps building on old foundations. Um, just with book 11, the part is not a whole is a good example where he came back around again with a new understanding on an old foundation. I think what we're doing here with the branches, the seed and the pathways is taking us perhaps to a new understanding of the ancient path. And I would add, this is also take, take us back to the very beginning somewhere just after Azul's Place was founded in 1999, I was in San Jose and I was with a group of people and we were doing deliverance. And out of my mouth came the words, Lord, take us to the fourth dimension for this deliverance. And I remember clearly we were like on a, this large elevator, uh, like a, 
a warehouse elevator and I felt myself going up and the power of God hit the person we were praying for. And so I'm watching her manifesting and being delivered and I'm just sitting there and I hear my spirit, Paul, try to worry here. Now I was a world-class warrior. I, I tried to, to work up a worry and I could not. And it was sometime later the Lord said, I'm gonna teach you how to enter into the rest. And I realized the place of the rest, which is the place of peace, which is the place where the debris is removed off of the pathways, that this is what we need to get to, that we need to get to this place where we are free from anxiety, we are, we are operating in the rest, we're operating in peace, and this is where the Lord wants us to live. I, I believe that probably the number one issue in the world today is anxiety and depression. And there's, there's a lack of rest and peace. And so what we are talking about here is actually very tangible. You cannot create peace. You need the Prince of Peace to set you free, deliver you, establish you into that place where there is rest and peace and a lack of turmoil. And it is possible. So I want to share with you, Dad, a question that we had online, and then I want to provide a response. Hadassah had expressed a desire to have some advice on how to deal with a family member that has some evil concepts coming at her from that. And she had asked a question about if it, how does she spiritually take care of that, or is it a matter of more discernment? And I want to share that, one, anytime if you have questions about biblical concepts or things we're teaching, please always feel free to email office at aslansplace.com. But I want to respond because I'm realizing that that's a good tie-in to what we're sharing. We need to remember that God gives us the direction to never fear. And find too often, I believe because we're often on, all of us are in deception or on the wrong path, that what can happen is we respond from fear and what describes fear better than fight or flight? That's right. And so we go straight to fight and we think that there's something we have to battle. What spiritual battle? How do I go at this spiritually to solve the problem? And so I want to say one, first of all, remember whenever you're dealing with difficulty in a person inside or outside the family or inside or outside the church, Remember that they also need God. They need God's love, and God loves that person as much as he loves everyone. And remember that whatever you are experiencing from them is out of all of our fallen nature. So I encourage you to not attribute, for instance, a person as being evil, as rather that what you are experiencing is quite unpleasant. And I'll say that it has nothing to do with questioning or minimizing what you're experiencing. But the first thing is to do not fear and then to pray for the person with which you're experiencing difficulty. Lift them up, say, God, come empower in their life, heal them. And then say, Lord, how would you like me to handle this situation? Don't go straight to battling 
but go straight to God. And we'll repeat this all the time because we're learning it more and more. Jesus demonstrated that he and said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So we need to have that practice whenever we are dealing with any kind of unpleasantness. And then when we follow God's lead, he'll give us that design, clear up our path, and then remove any of those obstacles, which could also block us from unity with our family or in the body of Christ. Barbara, would you like to add to that? I would just totally agree with what you said, Brian, but I would take it one step further. I think a lot of us have been, for lack of a better word, churchified. And when I'm praying with people, oftentimes their question will be, well, what am I going to do about this? What do I do about this? And we seem to have to be reminded that it's not always something we have to do. But the first question should be, Lord, what do you want to do about this? So that I completely agree. All right, excellent. Dad. Second Corinthians 10.4, Brian and Barbara. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, how do we do that? We do not do that by physically arguing or challenging. We do that by prayer and saying, I come against everything that comes against the knowledge of God in whoever my relative is, where my friends are, and I destroy them. And Jesus, I ask now that you will visit them with your power and your presence and show them what is truth. And so our arguments are totally spiritual, as you said, Brian, and our prayers then destroy strongholds through the power of Jesus Christ. Very good. Well, we look forward to having more revelation, more understanding. And I'll put this invitation out to those of you who are joining us live or as a podcast. If you feel that God has given you input on this, if God was showing you things spiritually, feel free to email those into office at aslansplace.com. Keep in mind, if you're adding in something, we may not necessarily be able to respond right away, but we'll do our best to do so. Dad, any final thoughts or comments before we let you go? I think I am finished. All right. Well, thanks very much for joining us, and we will see you next time. Barbara, let's shift gears for a moment. Let's talk about dreams. You are the author of Exploring Heavenly Places, Volume 8, which is called Dream Speak. And one of the things that I always contend with, or not always, but one of the things I often contend with in the context of generational prayer is a dream that has caused a great deal of fear within the person. So in your book, do you address that concept of dreams being scary and how we should respond? Yes, I do. And the basic thing is that if a dream is from the Lord, whether it's scary or not, he's got a great purpose for for it. And just by turning to him and asking him, what does he want you to know about that dream? Then he can help you determine a level of healing or a level of understanding or whatever he's trying to communicate. But that said, a lot of times dreams are scary because they're not from the Lord. So we have to watch out for false dreams and all of us have them. And in fact, Paul had one recently and he sent it to me and 
he's trying to figure it out. And it was, I'm reading through it and it sounds like this is a great dream. And then all of a sudden, everything in the second scene just went bananas. And <laughs> so I sent him back an email. Are you sure that the uh, second part is of the Lord? And he says, oh, I forgot to ask. <laughs> so he asked, and sure enough, the second half of the dream was not from the Lord. We've also found that oftentimes in an otherwise very righteous, wonderful dream, the enemy just drops in little bits and pieces here and there that are not of God. And one that I just couldn't figure out for myself one time, I sent to Paul, and he kind of did his thing where he scans it with his finger. Well, this is good, this isn't. This is good, this isn't. This is good, this isn't. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm sure glad I had him to ask because I couldn't figure it out for myself. So that kind of goes to another point of it's really good to have someone to talk to about your dreams. So if you have something that is frightening, that you can pass it by someone else and pray through it with the Lord and someone else if necessary. And... Uh, you know, just find a way to talk it out either with God or with someone else to get God's take on it. I find it interesting to hear that in what we might consider one dream sequence or dream session, <laughs> that there could be both ungodly and godly components or pieces. That really takes testing to a new level, doesn't it? It really does. You know, we're, we're trying to just listen to the Lord and begin to understand how does the enemy have the right to hijack our dreams or to drop in ungodly comments and scenes. Um, but it, it, it really does highlight we have to have discernment and we have to have a support system. And number one, of course, we have to listen to the Holy Spirit. But I, I still go back to my basic starting point the holy spirit is the best resource and if you can't get absolute clarity there then start reaching out for help i think i'd like to also point out that when just like a prophetic word or that or what we believe we're hearing from god or we're receiving a dream that we don't have to automatically receive that information as something we have to apply to our lives at that very moment. I think oftentimes we get something in a dream, and especially if it's somewhat intense or feels truly significant, then we want to immediately apply it. And then I think that's where we can end up getting in a lot of error because we didn't actually continue the conversation that God had ready for us in order, one, to test it or to truly investigate what God was showing us with that. You know, Brian, that's a really good point, because if you've been around Aslan's place very long, you've undoubtedly heard Paul mention multiple times, well, I had this dream 10 years ago, and we're all of a sudden getting understanding of it. And if you jump into a dream, it's just like jumping into a prophetic word. And the bigger and the better the prophetic word, the usually the longer it takes for it to manifest in your life. And if we try and make something happen too fast or figure out something that the Lord isn't ready to reveal yet and give us total understanding of, 
then we can get out of his timing. Timing, always a key, key issue. We just received a question slash comment online from Gary, who's wondering if while sleeping, can we be on or off the holy highway? And I think that that's an interesting question that we don't necessarily have an understanding or, or biblical link to yet. I think that's a really interesting question that we need to hold on to and examine in light of ancient paths and all of the new understanding that's coming about in regard to the ancient pathways. So we'll put at this moment, great question, and we'll let you know <laughs> what details we find out. Uh, and uh, Sonia had actually brought up earlier, pondering the connections between these highways of holiness and the grid, which we do, of course, see a connection with the grid being that supernatural construct that we feel God reveals to show us how he's put things together supernaturally. And we do know that because of sin, we can end up contaminating the grid or being an ungodly grid. Yeah, and, and we did write a little bit about the pathways in the grid in volume three, but now we're like at a whole different level, and this is, this is just like a new ballpark. And I, there's something very, very significant, though, about the ancient pathways and the grid, which I've been doing some exploring just this week with, with Persis about, about that and talking to Paul, but we don't have the answers yet, so... Anything well, anybody has, we want to hear. Yeah, right. Very true. Barbara, coming back to your book, uh, Dream Speak, I'd like to give you the opportunity to give me a synopsis or a, a description of, of what the goal is for that book and who your intended audience would be. Who would be some good candidates to read that book? Anybody that's interested in dreams. But the way the book came to be was that the Lord had begun having me move in the realm of dreams for some time. Paul had actually mentioned to me several times he wanted me to write about dreams, and I kept saying no, because there's so much good stuff out there, and, and I had a good part of it on my bookshelf. There are books and books and books that are good about how to interpret dreams and about all of the biblical references to dreams and everything, you know, really good resources out there. And so one day I was in the gym, which is not a place I love to be. And the Lord started speaking to me and told me he wanted me to write the book. And I'm saying, okay, but, and I said, Lord, if you really want me to write this book, then you have to show me how to do it. Because it can't be just another book like all the others that I have on my bookshelf. And I didn't know what he would do, but then he gave me the name um, for the subtitle of Dream Speak. And I texted Paul and I said, I think I'm going to write the book and this is the subtitle. And he was like, he answered, oh, good, Dream Speak, the language only you and God know. And he does not remember that text. He does not remember that response, but it is attributed to Paul in the book because dream speak came from the Lord and Paul confirmed it. So what the Lord began showing me literally within days were chapters that he wanted me to include, 
but he also began showing me the way that he wanted written was from my perspective. So volume eight is very much of this is how God did it with me account. It's step by step through my own dream journey. And at the same time in each chapter, I put a, I have to look at the book to see what I, I did. Practical application, that's what I called it. At the end of each chapter, I added a practical application. And then in one of the appendices, I put all of the practical applications, which is kind of my own personal, this is how you do it list. But the book is for anybody that's interested in dreams. So Jessica just asked if you have any plans for a part two that would get into children and their dreams. Good question, because I've had a couple of people that have contacted, is that, I think I know which Jessica that is, because her daughter is a dreamer, uh-huh. <laughs> and she's one of two people who have contacted me with their kids' dreams, and these kids have these astounding, amazing dream encounters that are just like scripture being fulfilled and actually validate things that we see in our um, exploration sessions in our understanding of things and i can't remember if it was jessica's daughter or the other one but i think it was jessica's that saw an angel and I think if I remember correctly, I asked her to ask her daughter what the angel looked like. And it was, the response was, oh, well, you know, it just had a rainbow all over it. It was all surrounded by an angel. And I thought, okay, she saw the rainbow angel. Um, But that is, I keep asking the Lord if there is another book. And I think there is eventually. And I think that is at least part of it. I don't know if it's the whole thing or not because I think the dream hijacking part is also part of it. Gotcha. So yes, there is a concept for a sequel, but you're waiting on God's timing is what I'm Absolutely. (laughs) Yep. I don't have it all. He hasn't said go yet. Here when we're talking about dreams, I want to bring up the reminder to everyone to journal your dreams. And uh, would it be safe to say, Barbara, that that should be one of the first things you do when you wake up? And have a dream? Absolutely, because if you don't, it will be gone. When I, I recently sent you a dream, and uh, God had to remind me about it later in the day, and so I really had to work the brain to get all the details right because I had waited hours. So I, Yeah, I, I, have, I have that problem. What I find is if I wake up and I can't remember all of it, as I start writing a little bit that I have, oftentimes the Lord will bring back more of it. The other thing is as I'm journaling it, and I do it all on the computer because I've got to be able to word search it later. But as I'm writing it and I'm wondering, well, what does this mean? What does this mean? He also starts giving me the meaning that I didn't know I had. Well, I didn't have it until I wrote it down. And Oftentimes, you have a dream, and you wake up, and you think you know what it means. And I'm very guilty of this. Well, if I know what it means, I don't have to write it down, because I already understand. Well, 
No, because I write down dreams that I think I know what they mean and I find out they have even a deeper meaning. So all of us need to write down our dreams. Very good. While we're watching for any questions to come in, Barbara, I want to share with, about your website again. Your website is Standing in Faith Ministries with that exact name, .com. And with there, I noticed that you do have also articles that you post. And if someone wanted to seek ministry with you, is Dream Interpretation one ministry that you participate in with others? Yes, it is. If someone contacts me, I send them the, the information in that regard. And I do have a number of people that I work with that way. Very good. And, and what happens if somebody sends me a dream for interpretation, and if I have a sense it's a deliverance dream, I will usually respond, I think this is a deliverance dream, and rather than interpreting it, we need to pray through it because the Lord's interpretation always goes much deeper and is much more far-reaching than mine is. Very good. You know, it's interesting. Gary just gave a, a really good tip online. He pointed out that as soon as you wake up, you could dictate the dream on your phone and then transcribe it later. So that's, like a, that tip. that's a very good idea. I want to go ahead and thank you, Barbara, for joining us today. And then My we'll look forward to seeing you. We're, we're hoping for you to be a, a regular participant in the Lion's Den streaming and podcasts. And I'll remind everyone that all of our books, including Exploring Heavenly Places, Volume 8, are available in our bookstore. And you could find that by going to bookstore.aslandsplace.com. Thanks for listening. The Lion's Den is a production of Aslan's Place Ministry. To donate to this ministry, please visit aslandsplace.com and click the donate button. And we hope you'll join us next time in The Lion's Den.